things you own end up owning you. What's going on, good people? Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Denise Minger. Denise has been involved in the health and nutrition world for a pretty long time. Denise wrote an article that went viral many years ago that uh, debunked the controversial book, The China Study. From there, she went on to continue her path of critiquing diet and nutrition ideologies, but then she just kind of went off the map. Uh, Well, it turns out that she recently had a transformation in her life through using plant medicines. And so we sat down for a chat to uh, talk about how it all went down. I hope you enjoy this one, and thanks for listening. I've been, you know, following your work for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you seem to have gone through like all the like um, all the different stages of dieting and nutrition advice and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, when you kind of first, you know, talked about the uh, your big article that kind of made you, I guess, semi internet kind of famous, right? That uh, the debunking the China study. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of became the, like, the person that, like, all the paleo people were like, yes, look, she's right, like, that's my girl, right, like, look at this, and then out of nowhere, you kind of switched over to talking about, like, the rice diet, and eating a bunch of sugar, mm-hmm. and, like, maybe that's not bad, and then all those people were like, no, no, you know, and it just has, has been this, like, you know, it, now there's, there's, like, a new wave of people coming in to, you know, like, the carnivore people, and then there's the mm-hmm. vegan people that, you know, there's new ones, there's old ones, you know, but they come and go, and you know, originally I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, yeah. But you told me that you've been, um, and you also kind of been out of the spotlight for a while too. And uh, yeah, you told me that you've been doing some other stuff. So, uh, you know, what have you been up to? <laughs> so it's a, it's a great way to start this. Um, so scrolling back, like when I was 22, um, I think that's when I started my, or I started my blog when I was 23. So this is like over a decade ago at this point. Mm. At the time I was coming out of, my own vegan experience. And I had a lot of like, you know, ex-vegan rage (laughs) kind of fueling a lot of the stuff I was doing, you know, went in with a really, uh, I guess, strong conviction just to like demolish the ideologies that I'd I'd seen hurting people. Right. Cause like people going vegan, the amount of censorship and the information people could, um, access about like, you know, why am I not feeling good? Oh, you're just detoxing. It was all very exciting. (laughs) Exactly. If you lose exactly. your period, it's just, it'll come back. It's, you don't need it. It's detox no, you're, part, right? You're clean now. <laughs> yeah, terrible, right? Oh, um, so at the time I had, you know, I started my blog and a lot of people don't know this, but I had, so I got hit by a car when I was 22. Mm. I did your death experience. While I was recovering from that, I had the idea to start this blog. Like it came to me, I was like half asleep one day. It's like, oh, blog idea. I wrote it down on a little mm-hmm. piece of paper. And then about a year later, I realized it was time to actually start that blog. Mm. And so I was, at the time, I was like living off pain and suffering money from this car accident that I was in. <laughs> People always ask, like, who funded your China study thing? It was like, well, it was the insurance company of the woman hit me. There we go. Um, right, right. But yeah, so I, I started the China study, you know, just with the idea of like I started critiquing the China study with this idea of doing it for personal fulfillment I didn't expect anyone to read it and then of course it like blew up and I was wholly unprepared for 
a career to start at that point, especially in nutrition. Mm-hmm. I had been working as an after school teacher, like at a Catholic school. I'm not Catholic, so it was like this like thing. <laughs> I'm like half Jewish. Yeah, yeah. It was like I had an interesting assortment of gigs that were keeping me That's like cool. That's cool. Close. <laughs> right. But then you know, then this thing happens and I got a book deal with Mark Sisson and it like people were asking me to speak at conferences and I had to very quickly adopt this identity of like debunker, mm. like science minded, like mm-hmm. truth seeking, which is definitely part of my identity, but it it got so so focused in the nutrition sphere. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kept going with the, you know, the kind of anti-vegan sentiment for a while. Mm-hmm. Ran out of juice, right? Like my ex-vegan rage, I used to <laughs> Calm down <laughs> a little bit. And then I was like, well, God, these paleo people are just kind of full of shit sometimes. And so I switched over, <laughs> switched over to um, finding the flaws in the next system. Uh-huh. And so this is what I did, right? And then it, it, low carb, you know, I started working with people one-on-one. I kept getting women especially coming who are like, I've been doing low carb and like I'm having these thyroid problems. My hair is falling out. But everyone just says, you know, keep doing it. Detox. And detox. Mm-hmm. Again, it's mm-hmm. the same framework, the same, right? The same framework. Yeah, just different words and different <laughs> ideology. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And it's like when you first enter a scene, you don't notice those flaws initially. You're like, wow, these people seem to be doing really well. Everyone has these success stories. Yeah. Well, also, it's always like, oh, these people that have been on this diet for four months are doing so well, right? And it's like, okay. you don't find a lot of those people that like, oh, I've been carnivore for 10 years straight, right? There's like, I mean, handful of people in the world that have been doing these crazy diets that have actually stuck to them without like bullshitting and lying to people too. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of those yeah. fakers too. Oh, I know that. Yes. <laughs> you know, you, well, that's, that was the other thing too, you know, working behind the scenes and getting to talk to people one-on-one. It's like, I won't throw anyone under the bus, but it's like you, you go to a conference as a presenter, you get to talk to the other presenters. They're giving keto presentations while talking about the problems like behind the scenes. So they're having on, <laughs> on the diet that they're promoting. It's just, it's, it gets painful after a while yep. because you get disillusioned enough times and you start realizing that there's no holy grail here Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where I arrived at diet wise I think there's people who do fine on vegan I think there's people who do fine on carnivore I think those are very small ends of a bell curve that you know most people do better somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. and I also believe that there's we're almost using diet in the same like pill like mentality that we're like criticizing the pharmaceutical industry for doing like here just do this one thing to your body you're going to be healed you're going to be psychologically well you're going to be physically well and this is kind of why I dropped off the radar and this is the first time I've talked about this uh, I think in any podcast and possibly like even online (laughs) that's Um, awesome Yeah, no, this is great. Honestly, like when you when you messaged me about this uh, doing this podcast, I was having like an adult meltdown in a hotel <laughs> in Detroit. Like I was literally like, "Oh my god, I need to be." Oh no! And in Detroit, that's not the most beautiful place it to was, have a meltdown. <laughs> I, I've been there. <laughs> it was. I was visiting some family that I no had. No offense seen in a to while. all you people that live in Detroit. There are great spots over there. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you. We so I was. It was on day six of this road trip. We drove eight. No, we drove 6,000 miles in eight days. Oh, so there's a lot of driving. Wear, that'll wear you out too. That in itself can oh, have, give you a meltdown too. <laughs> and half of it was like through the south and like, I don't do well. 
<laughs> Everything's oh, no. fine. I can't even eat there. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, anyone who's living in any of these areas. There's beautiful spots. <laughs> there's I, great I like spots. <laughs> but there's also a lot of shitty spots, too. Yeah, and I've been there, too. You know, I've lived in Ohio, and I've been to Michigan oh, yeah. and Indiana and Kentucky, and I visited the whole thing. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of good spots, but there's a lot of places where it's like, yeah, you got all you got to eat there is pickle and fucking Oreos or whatever, right? Pretty much that's it. <laughs> I lived on, like, convenience store pickles and jerky. <laughs> See, there we go. <laughs> Like the pickle was like a luxury. I was like, oh my god, it's a vegetable. Oh, it's the best pickle. So the spicy ones, right? Like, oh man, these ones are fancy. The spicy ones here. You got it. You got it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Anyway, so I was having this like almost existential crisis. Like, I I really just want to talk about the past year that I've been going through because it's been such a deviation from what I've presented myself online as like publicly. Uh-huh. And so then I like was melting down in this hotel room. I was really upset because like. I was like hungry. Wendy's had just closed. I wanted just, I just wanted a fucking chicken salad, like from Wendy. <laughs> it wasn't even that. I was like, oh, I had a bad day. And then I opened my email, and you're like, oh, I, like I have no idea who you are, right? It's, I haven't checked my email in a while. Email from you, like podcast invite. I'm like, oh my god, saving grace. Thank you, thank you for, well, for hey, inviting I'm me. Glad out. I, you know, this the forces brought us together. It did. It's awesome. Funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, sorry, that was a very long tangent. No, <laughs> coming we got back, all the day in the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Coming, so. So, so coming coming back to you, um, I went very much underground after I wrote that, like, in defense of low-fat post. Mm-hmm. Part of it was, so I wrote this post, right? And it was, it was uh, for me, just, like, a curiosity deep dive into a lot of research that had been overlooked um, and that contradicted a lot of our current beliefs about what does sugar do? How, how, like what causes diabetes? What can cure diabetes? Mm-hmm. And so it was just interesting to me. And the amount of response I got from that was, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it was, it was, it was, uh, intriguing to me how many people wanted to suddenly adjust their diet based on the stuff I was writing or wanted to throw out something that was working for them to try something different. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'll be totally transparent here. The way I eat is based on how I feel when the food's in my body. If I find a scientific paper saying like X is good for you, but like I don't feel good eating it, I'm not going to change things based on that. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's um, there's a way that we've been using diet to bypass a lot of different types of other healing, I guess you could say, in search of finding the sense of fulfillment. And mm-hmm. I, I started feeling really out of sync with the way I was working online and publicly and like what I actually am behind the scenes, which is I very much live my life via intuition and like esoteric shit. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't follow the science to such a, an obsessive degree that I change my path according mm-hmm. to that. And yeah. I felt, yeah, I felt like over time I was kind of taking on this identity as like, yeah, like I'm Denise, side. the a- ancestors 5,000 years ago did this. So this is what I do and that's exactly. what I have to do. And if I have some ice cream, it's, it was, you know, it, it was just a cheat and I will get back to being, you know, me, the ancestral person that, and it's just like, it's this never ending kind of roller coaster it ride. Yeah. It never ends. And it's, it's so often filling some kind of like, um, I don't want to say void, but there's definitely like a piece that people are searching for. And a lot of times, you know, we're disconnected from any type of cohesive 
spirituality within most Western culture. A lot of people aren't religious. I'm not religious, but we have like this thing that we're looking for. And we're, Mm -hmm. it's often just to find, to find satisfaction in our lives and contentment, not even just happiness, but a sense of like being at peace. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people jump from diet to diet looking for that. Sometimes you'll, you'll get it for a little bit. Like when I went raw vegan, I felt better than I'd ever felt Mm -hmm. my whole life for, you know, three months. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you chase that high. Been there, done that too. Yeah. And also you're, you're meeting a lot of like minded people, right? So that, you know, th- that person is doing that and you're doing this diet. So it's like, ah, it's great, you know, and then, like we said, then you meet other people that have been doing this diet for three months and they all feel great. So you're thinking, well, fuck, yeah. I'm on the right track here. I'm doing awesome because they feel great. I feel great. We're all feeling great. And then you start going to conferences and then you start selling supplements that, go, you know, go together with your, um, you know, ideology there and it just keeps going. <laughs> it keeps going. And then you get stuck there, right? Yes. You built, you built your, then, your yes. empire on it, right? Yes. Then you're that guy or girl. Then you're that, mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's, um, I felt grateful that I, I didn't attach to like a single ideology because I think that kept me sane Mm -hmm. and it kept me from like building like a financial foundation on like my belief system which I think it's really tricky for people because once you do that then you have people who can never really fully back out of um their the things they've been promoting even if it starts not working yeah Uh, yeah so that that was a that was kind of my trajectory and then so I wrote this the low fat post out Mm -hmm. of curiosity People have been almost definitely weekly emailing me asking for like, where's part two? And every time I've sat down to work on it, I'm just like, my heart is not in this anymore. <laughs> my heart is not in this. And That's fine. But overall, was the response good or massively, you know, massively positive? Did you have negative responses too? What's the It was a mix. Ratio? It was a mix. mix. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised at how many people responded well to it, even from kind of hardcore low carb camps. Um, the, I think the, the, the backlash I did get was from people who are really attached to like the carbohydrate insulin model of, uh, obesity and diabetes. It's like, cause that's, there's, that's a pretty big nail in the coffin for that. <laughs> but at the same time you can, there's, I think there's an argument that can may, be made that, you know, you go on either end of the macronutrient extremes and you're going to find therapeutic value there. Mm-hmm. And which isn't to say that if you're eating, closer to the middle that you can't also be healthy, but like you get here and you, and things behave differently. Mm-hmm. And I think people could, could come to terms with that being a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the most part, people who are low carb are still going to be like, well, this is easier for me. The food tastes better. I don't want to go back to that, like, you know, mm-hmm. fruit, sugar and all that, which is fine too. You know, I'm, I'm totally let people do what they want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Individual sovereignty. I don't care what someone does to their body as long as it doesn't affect mine. Um, yeah, so it was it was a good it was a good response, and so not a lot of like triggered paleo people uh, emailing you about it, like you're wrong. Yeah, if maybe I, a few. <laughs> not to throw anybody specific under the bus, just curious. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, there's a few, but it, it's mostly it's kind of the same people who just like to. I think they got a lot of anger themselves, maybe their own yeah. ex, whatever rage that they're still exactly. trying to get out. Yeah, and and when you're a public figure, people will just use you as a projection screen. Don't they? It's so easy to just point your finger and just say, "Look, she's wrong yeah. now." Oh, I'm <laughs> angry. I feel bad about something. Here's a person on the internet. I'm behind my keyboard. I can see whatever I want. Yeah, no, you, you yeah. don't have a, you know, you don't have your face anywhere, so nobody knows who you are. So you can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty standard for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Some things never change. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. 
So, um, so you went from that. And so, but what was the, was there a moment that you've kind of were like, yeah, I think I'm over this, um, diet bullshit, you know, and I'm just gonna follow what feels good and do what feels right. Um, yeah. yeah. So this was, this was, so right around when COVID was like hitting headlines and everyone was like, ah, it's overblown. This isn't going to become anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe around March <laughs> of last year, right? 15 uh, days to slow the curve. And then now I'm here hiding from my anal swabs over here in my house. <laughs> like, ah, leave me alone, Bill Gates. Leave me alone, right. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so, so it was, I, I want to say it was around that time. Um, my 33rd birthday was approaching. So this, my birthday is May 4th. So it was like probably early March of last year. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment of realizing how discontent I was with my life. And I'd been on this kind of path, right? Like mm-hmm. career kind of landed in my lap. I never would have chosen nutrition if it had been up to me. It kind of like was this thing, you know, I, I got hit by the car. I was recovering from it. Opportunities were unfolding and, I felt very lucky that I had had uh, like a, an entry point into a career field without, you know, listen, I didn't even graduate college. I left college one credit, <laughs> short, one French class short of graduating. Like oh, no. And fucking French. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> it's very embarrassing, right? Just but kidding. I mean, it's like, I didn't, you know, I didn't have like a, a, a strong path that I had formed for myself, yeah, you know, in my early something 20s. Something you just so kind of jumped into and, and kept yeah, going Yeah, and it just felt like it was this gift, right? And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, I have to keep going with this. It's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. What, how could that ever happen again? Um, so I, I got fixated on needing to do nutrition, and I just kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. put my mind on that. Um, but anyway, so around, in my 30s, I started – I started thinking, wow, this is really not fulfilling. Like it, it's taking an incredible amount of force just to get myself to, to write blog posts. There's very little joy in it. Reading scientific papers all day. Um, I can do that for like my day job, but it's not something that is, is like nourishing me on like a deeper level. So a few months before my birthday, I ha- woke up one day and I was like, I need to do ayahuasca. <laughs> wow. So it just hit you like that? Yeah. Just but like you didn't that. have like, you know, have you, have you watched the, you know, the typical like Netflix documentaries or no. I don't know, followed who's like, I don't know, Joe Rogan, I guess. And Aubrey oh, Marcus, those sure. sort of guys, right. <laughs> that talk about it all the time. So you, right, you, you, right. you've heard about it, right. You've known about it and it all that. It was on my radar. It was okay. on my radar. And the, the year before I had stayed in California with a friend kind of helping him with his business. And he, he had a friend who had been to like Peru or some, somewhere in South America, like seven times, right. Yeah, to do that. Costa Rica or Peru seems to be the big two spots. Yeah. Yeah. You go down there. Mm-hmm. You come back all like shiny eyed, like, oh yeah. my God, take a flowers bath. Oh, yes, right, exactly right. <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna go throw up in the jungle. Like that <laughs> sounds that's not very Denise friendly. I don't like that. Um, so I had like this gut level aversion to the thought of doing that when when I first came on my radar. Mm-hmm. And I should also also mention like I was like dare poster child growing up. Like I didn't drink. Like I've never had been like an alcohol person. Didn't even really do weed. Just it, I wasn't into mind-altering substances, and I had this um, this stubbornness about like if there's a way to access these different parts of your mind, I want to learn how to do it without needing an external crutch. Sure. So I, I had a stubbornness about it. Mm-hmm. So I'd never expected um, anything like that to to have a strong pull for me. Nevertheless, you know, I woke <laughs> up. I was it's truly just a one day. I woke up and 
ayahuasca. It's like, <laughs> there's something here. I don't know what it is. And of course, again, COVID was just beginning. And so there were travel restrictions that were starting to get yeah. in place. Um, I didn't have like a lot of money to blow on going to like a full on retreat and stuff. And, but I knew I needed to do this, like for whatever reason, there was something there. So Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, Googled, you know, (laughs) (laughs) ayahuasca I was living in Seattle at the time. I was like, ayahuasca Pacific Northwest or, you know, whatever combination. (laughs) And I found a a very small retreat center that was in my home state, in my state of, of uh, Washington, just like an hour and a half north of Seattle. Wow. I was like, Wow, these spots have been, pop, been popping up. There's one in Kentucky that like everybody's talking about. I don't know if you've heard of that one. And like, but like, you know, I'm like, of Kentucky, of all fucking places to have ayahuasca, you know, retreats. It's pretty interesting. Who knows, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, I've, I think I've heard of that one. There's that one in Florida, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Soul Quest. Yeah. Which one is, uh, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, they're like popping up everywhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's some controversy about whether, you know, we're, we're like, doing it right here in America. Cause a lot sure. of the times it's not people with a, who come from a lineage of shamans who've learned how to do this. It's like someone who, you know, white dude who like, you know, went down to South America. Yeah. I bought this on eBay. Yeah. Let's do this shit. Right. This on eBay, yeah. right. <laughs> there's, there's always that there's some controversy, but where I was at, I was like, dude, I just need to do this. Like okay. I tr- I'm going to trust it. I've most of my, best decisions in life have come from like a like I don't know why I have to do that's impressive because you know not everybody can just jump into that like that you know not not, I don't know I very few people would just kind of go all right I'm doing this I'm just gonna let go and trust so um that's interesting (laughs) so so you just signed up and went to the retreat I signed up so I signed up and I'll say to you I mean I think you do have to get pushed to a certain point in life where you feel like you've exhausted all your options Mm -hmm. because I mean I won't say I was depressed at this this point, this juncture in life, but like I was at this this state of like I felt trapped in my own mind. Yeah, it's almost like you could feel like the like the neural pathways have had gotten so deeply grooved that I was just like, mm-hmm. just felt like being at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, being like, how the fuck do I get back up to the top? <laughs> like I'm da- like I don't like I know there's more mm-hmm. on either side of this, but I can't access it. And so I think those things kind of pieced together, and I was just like this that for whatever reason this thing's calling me so yeah I signed up to, for it um mm-hmm. I went actually the first ceremonies got canceled because of COVID so oh. that blew up during this whole process like damn it and <laughs> ended up going at the end of May most life-changing thing I've ever done like wow it, it was like have you ever watched a movie where it's like it starts with like one plot you think you know how the movie's going and there's like some like crazy like M. Night Shyamalan like twist where it's like yeah. this isn't what that movie's about oh, he was dead the whole time he, he was, was just a ghost time. yes exactly <laughs> right 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 sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't <laughs> but it, this is how I felt like this 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 curvature in my life went it, it's like I had this belief about who I was what I was doing what my relationships were mm-hmm. went went to these I went to two ayahuasca ceremonies and the so the the place I went to is like two ceremonies consecutive and then you go home Mm-hmm. So I went to two. There's no way to put any of it into words, right? It's like I went with the intention of show me what I am, mm-hmm. and it showed me every area of life that I was out of alignment, which okay. was a lot, which was a lot. And and most importantly, it forced me to receive my own love, which I had so much resistance to doing. Mm-hmm. 
And the funny part is, so I went kind of expecting to work through a few things in my life that were kind of hanging over my head. One was that one of my, a very dear person to me had been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I I was like, I need to process this more. Like that was my thought going in. Mm -hmm. The other one was I had a, I I had had a breakup a few years prior that was still kind of haunting me because it was just unresolved, sticky, a lot of like just, it just didn't feel closed. Sure. And so I expected to work through that too. Rookie mistake number one. You never, <laughs> never go with an expectation. You can't have expectations, right? You can't have expectations. <laughs> so often what we think of as our problems are, that, that's not actually the issue, right? It's like we yes. keep, it's like, well, this, this, this nail is all fucked up. So let's keep like, Yes. You know, hammering or it you and think then, you know that it's this one nail, even though you, you haven't think, looked at it, right? You just exactly. think, oh, it's it's that one. But then you're like, oh shit, there's all these other nails that I haven't even thought about, right? There's all these other nails, and then you you kind of go under the knots in your psyche that have populated upward to cause the problem, mm-hmm. and you realize you have to peel back so much more before you can even make changes at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, none of the things I thought were going to come up came up, mm-hmm. and what instead I came back with was this sense of clarity about. Um, what it feels like to, to be on the right path, like internally, like in my body, like what that actually feels like. It was very much an embodiment experience. Like I, I will say like up until that point, my experience of spirituality and which I've, has always been a really big part of my life. Like I've always been interested in like what happens after death, like different mm-hmm. esoteric systems. Um, before I had my nutrition blog, I had an astrology website <laughs> that I used to like, cause I was, <laughs> And I've always been interested in those kinds of systems, but they were always up here. It was like, I was just hoarding knowledge. It's like, I just have to learn a little bit more. have to think, figure this out. It was just thinky, thinky, thinky. Mm -hmm. You go to ayahuasca and it just like opens this gateway that just pours it into your body. And it is, is an amazing experience. Absolutely amazing experience. Mm -hmm. So I went to these two ceremonies in May, Mm -hmm. just buzzing for like the next few months became probably a little evangelical about it. Everyone who I talked to, oh my God, did I love Yeah, yeah, like every, every first time it does, yeah. Every time, right, right. <laughs> almost, like, almost like when you go raw vegan, you're like, oh my God, oh you have my to do this. God. You have to do amazing. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's clearly some patterns I've had in my life with jumping into things and getting very excited and then maybe pushing them too far. Sure. So next month, June, went, June was back, like June came. Right, May passed. I was like integrating everything, and I was like, "Oh my God, I have to go back." And I had like another mm. one of those. Woke up, and I was like, and I knew which days I needed to go. It was this weird, like I have to go to this particular ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, I should also mention I didn't have a way of getting up there. I didn't have a car. The first time I carpooled with somebody, this time I was like, I signed up without having any means of transportation to get up there, mm. and I just knew that I needed to be at these specific ceremonies. So I was like, God, I was looking at my options for transportation. And then I went on the ayahuasca subreddit. <laughs> Where all the best information is found. <laughs> obviously the best information. And there's a post at the, like, the top post on the subreddit was someone who said, has anyone gone to the name of the very small retreat center that I was going to? I just signed up for the ceremony dates of XYZ, which are the same dates I was going up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so somebody looking for information who had signed up for the exact same ceremony that I was going to, which is capped at 10 people. So it's like, it's, it's, this is a very small facility. Very few people know about it. And so I was like, Oh my God, I need to get a ride with this person. Right. So I like message this person on Reddit. Um, long story short, we carpooled up, ended up falling in love. 
uh, and moved to Phoenix together, which is where I am now. Oh, so that's the story. (laughs) So, you know, you have some, some stuff like that, that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, and then now I, now I'm looking back on that and I think that's why I like had to go to that one too, Mm -hmm. because it was the only way, because he lived in Portland, I was in Seattle, like there was no Mm -hmm. way we could have otherwise connected. Mm. Uh, so sometimes it's funny how that works. Um, but anyway, I need to, I need to continue explaining my, my process with ayahuasca because it it got problematic. Right. (laughs) So I I go to these next two ceremonies and, you know, I've, the first ones reflected back to me, this tendency to like overthink, right. Like get in my head focused too much on the figuring out of things instead of like the the deeper understanding of things. Mm -hmm. Message came up over and over. So I get to these ceremonies and I should mention on, on my first ceremony, there was one part of it took me to what was called like the, the storage space or something. It was like this, again, this is like, you know, you're on a very powerful uh, substance. So this is the, this is the experience you're going through. I don't want to say that this is objective reality or anything like that, sure. but it, t- it took me to the center of what was like the hologram. I guess mm-hmm. you could say it was like stacks of information that were like coded. So your your like, back files kind of like your, your back your... files, right. Okay. Okay. Back files. It had that for me. It had it for like the entire universe. It was like the storage space. Mm-hmm. And so I had this idea in my head, like, Oh, I want to see like more of that. Right. So I go back to the ayahuasca ceremonies with this intention of trying to figure out what all of that is. And so I spent one of the ceremonies in a very frustrating space of like seeing all this information and not knowing how to read it. And I got stuck in this loop of like, I want to, I want to read this. Like I want a Rosetta stone for understanding like these like reams of information mm. I'm seeing mm. and the message so that kept that coming. mind again. You want to know, right? Come in, know, come right? Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was so stubborn about it. I was like, I don't, and the, the message I was getting from ayahuasca, which just to, for context, like there's a very strong female presence that shows up with this particular, mm. uh, psychedelic and that's the most intriguing part to me because it's such a consistent experience for pretty much everyone who experiences it it's like you have this like mother energy that's coming in often like appears visually like as an entity that's like guiding it right and there's Mm -hmm. I mean what that is I can only you know guess Mm -hmm. um but it's, it's a very unique experience uh, so anyway, in this particular ceremony, I kept being told, you can't read it, you feel it. You can't read it, you feel it. And I was like, no, I want to read it. <laughs> I was just like fighting it. I was just fighting, fighting, fighting. Mm-hmm. And so the these ceremonies were, they were kind of an unsatisfying mm-hmm. it, because I was still stuck in this like mental, mental loop of um, like, I need to figure you it out. You want to pinpoint something. it, right? You want to know the... The, the actual kind of, you want to hold it in your hand and say, I know, right? You, you exactly. have it right here. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take it like kind of back up, right? And like, mm-hmm. how can I use this like to facilitate healing with people better? Because at this point, I had stopped doing consultations. Like I, I had opened up consultations on my blog for a number of years. And I'd had people come to me one by one with, you know, people who'd gone to other um like not health authority, but other like health experts or like kind of renegade, like not really fitting into any box people. And no one could really figure out what their problems were. Right. It was like these like mast cell activation disorder was one woman who came to me. She came to me with like this thing. She'd been to the Mayo Clinic. She'd been to a bunch of uh, the paleo people. Like everyone gave her ideas, but no one was helping her. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like cases like that where I was like, there has to be some missing piece of information that we can bring right mm-hmm. to like kind of make this make sense and like actually facilitate actual 
improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went down with this like extractive mentality of like, what can I get from this ayahuasca space that I can then bring back to apply? And again, it was just thinky, thinky, thinky. (laughs) Um, So I ended those two ceremonies, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of other stuff that happened, um, within each ceremony. It's just like an incredibly vast experience, but I felt very unsatisfied. And so I was like, I know I'm getting you to go back again. Mm. So for a third, for a third two rounder, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So this is this is where I was going, and it's easier to see it in ret- at retrospect now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I was just like, I was like, I have to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper with this before yeah. I, I figure it all out. Which is very common. It happens with a lot of people. Yeah, the, you, you hear those awesome. stories all the time where people go on like seven retreats in a row, right? And yeah. there's there was just a a, um, a woman. Her name's Oriana Joy. Mm-hmm. She was one of the people I saw on YouTube, kind of when I was preparing for my first ceremonies. And she she had done, I think, seventy. Wow. I think it was seventy, and it was one every other night for four months. Like she was in this apprenticeship training. One every other night for four months. Oh my right. god. So she had a she has a YouTube channel. It's pretty easy to find where she's documenting all of her experiences. This was years ago. Um, but she very recently came out and talked about how she blew out her nervous system just mm-hmm. doing it that much. And it took her a really, really long time to recover from the experience of of overwhelming her system with like these these experiences one after another. Mm-hmm. Which I bring up because this is what I ended up doing. Okay. Too. Yeah. So tell us about it. I, I love that you're bringing that up because yeah, like I said, with you know, you either hear you know you either hear people just don't do it or they hate it. They think it's all dumb and it's all just made yeah. up and it's a hallucination. The kind of Richard Dawkins type guys, you know what I'm saying? Right, and then right. you have the other people that are just like, yeah, they can't stop doing it. They're doing one, like you said, every, I mean, I never heard of every other night for four months. That, that sounds rough. That pretty intense, right? That one sounds, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like two nights in a row, I was like, I'm done, done for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you, no. I don't know. That sounds rough. <laughs> it sounds, it's very, it's very taxing on the body too. It's like, cause you don't sleep all night. Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot going on. You're puking. Of course. So you signed up for a third retreat. Yeah. So I signed up for, and this was in October, of, no, September of last year. So okay. I was doing, doing two ceremonies every two months. And I went in with a mission this time. I was like, I'm going like, to drink so much of this stuff. I, just, I, like, I, I was like, <laughs> I want to flood my system. Like my thought was I'm going to throw myself into the deep end and then like almost force a, an acquisition of knowledge or like a, a breaking point in myself to like, to cause a, um, like a transformation. Yeah, like it was thinking a, about it too much again, didn't you? I was, thinking, <laughs> I was the whole time I was like, I'm, I'm like, Oh, look, I'm got, I got these like spiritual insights. It was like, no, I was just getting deeper and deeper into my mind. Yeah. And, uh, so I go to these ceremonies. The first one, I drank six cups of ayahuasca. All the previous ones I did like three, I think mm-hmm. max two and a half maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of the upper limit for like what your body can tolerate. And the first few, the first four ceremonies, I didn't throw up at all. Like I cried a lot, had other releases, but like I didn't puke. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, my body can totally handle this. Like, I'm just going to push it. So that first night drinking six cups, I knew I was doing something a little wrong. Started feeling nauseous. Mm. The shaman came with more more brew, and I was like, "I'm just gonna keep drinking until it's gone." Like, I'm just oh, gonna. Wow. Yes, you went to past six. Um, I went past. So it it was um I think the sixth cup where I was like, "Oh, this is, <laughs> where I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> not good." And it was a little too late to do anything about it. Oh, wow. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was it was a. It was a weird, <laughs> it was a weird confrontation with my own desire to be like an intensity junkie. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. as a way to like get to get to to spaces that I think that I can get to in my mind. Like it was it was it showed me a lot in retrospect. But at the time, you know, I'm sitting there, everyone's starting to like the medicine's hitting, like the nausea is like insane. Just the amount of like because when you're on a psychedelic like that, everything's amplified. Every sensation in your body's amplified. Your hearing's amplified. Your your sight, smell, all of it is like intensified. Mm-hmm. So if you feel nauseous, it's not like oh I'm gonna go like you know eat some ginger and sit by the <laughs> toilet. Like it's like oh no this is bad. You, <laughs> like, I'm stuck with, you have to barf. And you you yeah. form a dialogue with the sensations that are coming up, mm-hmm. and so. It, to me, what it felt like was there There was this massive something that needed to get out of my body. Like this nausea formed this ball of just like darkness. Mm-hmm. And as the, the medicine set in more and more and more, I just got more and more and more nauseous. And it got to the point where I was like, I felt like my body was splitting apart. Mm-hmm. It was, um, if you can imagine like a giant wrecking ball landing on your chest and like the physical inability to hold it. Right. It's like your body is no match for this force. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. It felt like there was something that was um, breaking me apart. Like I was I had passed my ability to hold it physically. And so there's this one point where I was like, I just have to get this out. Like I tried throwing up. Nothing was coming out, stumbled to the bathroom, like completely inebriated. Like you just I couldn't like wobbly, like holding onto the walls like, oh, no. my God, I mm-hmm. can't move. And this was also my stubbornness and not asking for help to walk or anything. I was like, I can do it on my own. Mm. So I got to the bathroom, tried to throw up, could not, I just could not throw up. And I was just like, the, the room was spinning. I was like, I didn't know what was going on. Next thing I knew, I was on the ground looking up. The shaman was here. One of the other participants was here. And I was mm-hmm. like, what happened? And I guess I went unconscious. So I blocked mm. out in the bathroom. The person who was in the mat next to me, um, he had an intuition that I was struggling and he like ran to the bathroom and caught me as I was falling. So it's the only oh, reason wow. in my head. Yeah, it was amazing timing. And that, that's when I realized, okay, I might be, I might be, uh, causing some problems for myself mm-hmm. with this attitude of like going to extremes. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, the next night I did the same thing. I just, <laughs> <laughs> that's so, the best. this is where I'm at, right? This is where I'm at. I'm like, nonetheless, I took eight cups the next day. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, talk about being a slow learner, right? Uh, so so the, the now the, the part I want to emphasize here is like I would not – I might I might redo those last two experiences. But like this whole trajectory I was on, um, I am definitely of the belief that you can obtain nourishment from any experience that lands in your field, right? So like here I am like trying to get something, get something out of this, this psychedelic medicine, Um Meanwhile, I had so many experiences confronting all these parts of myself that were harmful, right? Like the tendency to overthink and get obsessive about figuring things out, not letting things just remain mystery. Mm-hmm. My tendency to be very stubborn, not ask for help, not not say anything when I'm su- suffering. I mean, I didn't have to say yes to every single cup of ayahuasca that the shaman brought me. And I was just like, oh, he's still coming by, so I'm still going to keep drinking it. Mm-hmm. Um, my tendency to like just want like instead of respecting the the slowness of life's processes in terms of like unfolding and gaining knowledge and gaining experience like wanting to go immediately to extremes to the point where it causes physical or psychological harm it's like there was a lot to unpack right in these experiences mm-hmm. um however so the the second night ended and i felt so so fucked up i was like something is wrong with my mm-hmm. body you know the the 
the ayahuasca had worn off. Everyone was kind of integrating the next day. We're all sitting around like in this like uh, tent thing outside talking. And I was just sitting there. Like I felt like I was still stuck so deep inside of my mind. And I felt like there's something in my body that was like, that hadn't come out. It was like the nausea had like formed this weird mass. It was like, I felt so not myself. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that to a few people and they're like, well, you know, it'll take a few days. Like you had a really hellish experience. Like it was, I was dragged through hell on the last last ceremony. That was my experience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, man, no, I did, something feels very wrong. Mm-hmm. And for the next six months, I had daily panic attacks, mm-hmm. dissociation episodes where it felt like um, a dimmer switch was getting turned on my entire reality. And it was like, I was stuck in this like in-between state where hell was superimposed over my waking reality. And I was just like, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I felt like, well, maybe there's like some, something I need to work through in this. Like I tried to put this like spiritual narrative over what was actually just like, you know, I blew out my nervous system drinking an insane amount of, uh, a very potent psychedelic in mm-hmm. that, that I didn't want to admit that to myself. I didn't want to admit that like I had done something wrong. Yeah. It's the last thing thinking, you want to admit, right? You want to say that it was, you want to blame no, it on something else. And this is the other thing too that I want to mention about like the psychedelic movement and especially ayahuasca is there's, there's, um, a tendency to get into like this almost like magical thinking mindset where it's like, Mm -hmm. well, the ayahuasca can do no wrong. If it brings you something, it's something that you needed to see. Like there's no way to like mess this up. And just like with diets, right? Yeah, exactly. Just like, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. like diets. And so there, there's 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 some pressure to see things that way, and if you're struggling with something, it's because you didn't let go enough, or you mm-hmm. di- you know you didn't surrender enough. And I do think you again you can like tease apart any experience and like gain a ton of information about yourself from it, but at the same time, there's biological realities that that we run up against when we're messing with our you know <laughs> neurochemicals and yeah. when we're going through putting ourselves through experiences that can actually trigger different forms of trauma in the body. Like when I look back on my last two ayahuasca experiences, I can see pretty clearly that I drank way too much of it against my body signals that it was time to stop. Um, Kept going with it, even though part of me knew it wasn't a great idea. Mm -hmm. And the result was like my body hit a point where it couldn't physically deal with the sensations that were coming at me. And so I blacked out Mm -hmm. and whatever consequences of that, um, were like the consequences of that were, were six months long, basically. And I had to deal with those for six months. And so that was a, that was a matter of personal responsibility that I didn't take at the time. Mm -hmm. Like I have no ill will towards the shaman. I think he did a great job. The facility was wonderful. It was a very much a personal decision. And I say this because ayahuasca was absolutely the most significant thing that I encountered to like kind of shift my life path towards this other direction. And I can see I can see ways that it can easily be abused, especially because we don't have like this big body of research for like, you know, who's susceptible to like psychosis after, like, after I, I mm-hmm. um, so there's like a, a glossing over of the potential problems while also it's also this very therapeutic potential, right? The, mm-hmm. there's, there's just like, there's a lot going on. And so I wanted to talk about my experience because it's still something that I would recommend to anyone who's feeling drawn to it, but used responsibly. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. So uh, it is what it is. You can't change the past, you know, and may, yeah. I'm sure something good will come of this and I'm sure it already came. But, um, you know, looking back, would you have, would you have just done that one ceremony and then maybe waited 
I don't know, a year or something like that? Is that the way you would have gone about it? Or maybe, you you know, recommend it to other people to do it like that? I would say um, at this point, take inventory of your intentions, your motivations. Like, do you want to do ayahuasca because you knew somebody who went and had, like, saw like sparkles and unicorns and like, you know, met God, <laughs> met the aliens and like they came yeah, back yeah, yeah. like, oh, that's so great. Oh my God, look so, at my new bead bra- bracelet. It's so awesome. Bead, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, there's like a word of mouth thing. It's like you hear yeah. like somebody had a really incredible experience and like you want to go through that too. Like of that's course. completely understandable. Yeah. Um, so I've like in the research I've done since then, I think also if you are like in the very immediate term entering a ceremony with your nervous system, like super activated, like fight or flight response, let's say like you're going through like a divorce, like that's like acute or like you've, you're like maybe physically sick or something. If there's something that's kind of pushing you up in terms of nervous system activation, that seems to be when bad trips happen. Like Mm -hmm. there's, I don't want to say for sure, like this is just a very observational note. Um, but I think, uh, you need to be taking inventory of where you're at, like in terms of yeah. just where your body's at. Cause it's a, it's a taxing. Yeah. Substance. I've heard, I've heard the same stories, you know, the same, yeah. um, accounts of people. Yeah. It's not to say that you have to have, you know, cause if you're drawn to it, probably not everything in your life is perfect, quote unquote, you know, whatever that means. Exactly. But you know, I think, yeah, just like you said, if you're, if your body is already in a stressed state 24 seven, like you said, you're going through a divorce and whatever you hate your job and you hate everybody and you're you know already anxious as fuck probably not the best time to do it right probably probably a better time was when you're you know yeah sure maybe you're feeling down and but but you you kind of you know your place I feel like I feel like you have to have yeah I feel like you have to have some steady ground you know you can't be just on completely you know these this little pebble these pebbles that you're standing on trying to jump around all day you know I mean I think you need like at least one little steady piece of ground that you can kind of connect to before you do like a journey like that, you know? I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it, it's been a wild ride this past year. <laughs> yeah. So I did, did ayahuasca. And so the, my last two ceremonies also, I got like, you know, the ayahuasca spirit told me like, don't, don't come back. Like you're done. You're like, don't, <laughs> don't like no more for you. Yeah. Like it was like a clear message. She was like, if you, if you do, try doing this again, it's going to get real bad. Like you think this yeah. is bad, it's going to get even worse. Mm-hmm. So I took that to heart. But um, I will say the experiencing psychedelics, especially ayahuasca is my first ever like intentional altered states, state of consciousness experience. Um, it made me realize how much is there that I had been judging. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, cause since then I've done, I've done mushrooms four times. My boyfriend grows them. So it's like, you know, supplies like right here. <laughs> Supply and um, demand. <laughs> those have been much, yeah, those have been much um, more gentle, I would say. And mm-hmm. the, I would almost recommend those for anyone who wants to kind of, um, experience what psychedelics do like for your mind, because the, my experience with them has been a very like deep organizational experience of the mind where it's like you get these components that feel maybe you're kind of blind. Like it's like when we have tender spots in us, you, you know, your mind finds ways to divert your attention away from those so that you never have to really confront them. You know, the mm-hmm. ego really likes to feel safe. Um, so on mushrooms, it's like you can almost see the clarity of everything in a better way. And then like, oh, that's why I do that thing. Or that's mm. this is this pattern that I see showing up in my relationships. It also shows up in my work. It also shows up here and here and here. Mm-hmm. And it has a clarifying potential. Um, 
as again, as long as you don't abuse it. So I would say like my, I have a very deep, like obviously after all the experiences I went through this past year, I'm like, I want to research psychedelics. Like I want to help people who maybe fuck themselves up doing the kind of same thing I did (laughs) because I mean, there has to be ways to get the, the, um, the benefits without pushing people into risk territory, like unintentionally. And so like, that's kind of where my focus is right now. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we help people integrate? How do we help people kind of come back down to reality after they are flying through the cosmos? Yeah. And that, cause I think that whatever, whatever potential there is going to get unlocked is going to kind of push humanity into its next almost wave of like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so, like we had the internet. That was kind of like our last, like, whoa, look at this big advancement. And <laughs> yeah, we've yeah. been, yeah, we've been in this like plot. Yeah. Place. I feel like we're back to like, I don't know though. <laughs> you know, like how back in the day people used to say like, um, you know, you'll go to, you know, if you want to learn something, you have to go to the library. You know, like, if, okay, let's say you and I are hanging out and I say something, whatever the, the earth is flat. Like yeah. for you to find out, you have to go to the library, you know, you would have to go and research that. You you would believe me right on the spot, right? right. Now it's like, okay, I'll tell you the earth is flat. You'll Google it. But yeah. when you Google it, you'll find 50% of the articles will say it's flat, 50%. Well, um, it's an extreme version, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like with diet, right? 50% yeah. of the articles will say vegan diet is the best. 50 of them will say paleo diet is the best. And then we're right. back at this like square one where – I don't really know what's the answer. There's no answer because we're all kind of, we've all been taught that the answer is on the internet, but I think, (laughs) I think we're back, you know what I'm saying? To just being at that before pre-internet age, you know? It's, it's like we switched (laughs) from like, it's exactly it. We switched from this like knowledge as scarcity, Mm -hmm. right? It's like you could only, it's like you had to have like, you have to be like an apprentice to like someone who has this knowledge or like learn from under some, the study of somebody. Mm -hmm. I mean, even I think even the school structures we have right now are becoming archaic, right? Oh, yeah. Well, they've been archaic, but yes. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. yeah. So it's just the person who didn't graduate college. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. I graduated and every fucking moment of it. I was like, I can't wait till I'm done because it's just yeah. – it's so it's not set up you know that's my favorite thing about college too is that they all they they we have classes that teach you how to be like a you know a critical thinking and a thinker and it's like if i'm a critical thinker like this is the dumbest thing i'm I'm doing with my life being in this fucking school sorry no offense yeah but you know no I'm I'm critical thinker right out the front doors that's exactly it right i mean seriously like, yeah and I, I mean both of my parents worked in higher education like my dad uh-huh. was a college vice president and like i was i had a lot of academia kind of in my field and I think that's part of what what showed me the amount of bureaucracy that's in our you know school systems it you realize there's there's very little like purity of of knowledge focus right it's like there's there's they're they are very much systems that are created to create a workforce yeah we have this idea of like you go to this institution and this institution does these you know does this research and talks about it unless you think freely unless you make up your own mind but you have to have proof with it right you know and all that but it's really not like that you know you have professors that have their own thoughts and their own priorities and you know their own biases and you have institutions that have their own biases and it's just on and on and on yeah I mean you know if you can't tell I'm not a not a not a big fan of that whole system (laughs) oh that's that's wonderful (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely so yeah I mean you're right though it's like that we have um the way, it, going back to your original point, like with Google, it's, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. It's at the point where we have so much information, it's almost back to an equivalency of not knowing anything. That's what I'm saying. Now the goal is how to tease apart the information that we're inundated with and Mm -hmm. find what the actual kernel of truth is in there, which, I mean, there's, there's no way to teach that to somebody like without kind of, I guess, um, shaping their mind in a way that is able to be like more truth seeking oriented, which I think may, you know, maybe psychedelics are a way to actually do that because I know for me, the, um, I've had this division between my personal life and my public life for a really long time. Like always, like I have this like truth seeking mentality that I've, I've approached my career with and kind of made a brand of, you know, what is the actual truth amid all these different dogmatic systems. Mm -hmm. But in my personal life, that has been so much harder, right? Because like Mm -hmm. all these spots of denial that I think every person has in different ways, um, you want to circumvent those. And then you, you just end up with this like twisted, like version of what, what you see in yourself. And then sometimes you can project that outwards and it can muddy up what you're, you're finding externally too. And that's very, very uh, abstract and conceptual, but like, Mm -hmm. I think there's a thing that happens there. And I've noticed that the more clarity I've gotten about who I am as a person and just my own patterns, like things that I never would have been able to confront earlier on in life, Mm -hmm. it's almost like I can see the external world more clearly too. And like find when something feels off, Mm -hmm. even if you're not quite sure why it's like, "Mm," you know, truth radar is like going right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spidey sense is kicking in. Do you feel like you would have, if you would have just done that one ceremony, do you think you would have thought about all these things as deep as you have, or maybe, maybe it was necessary for you to go that deep that you went and to, you know, to break a few things in there before you kind of rebuild again? I I mean, I, I wish I could say that I could have gotten to that point just through like a more natural progression, but there, there was definitely no event in my life more acute than seeing the physical and psychological consequences almost like amplified, right? Mm-hmm. It's like these natural tendencies I had that were already maladaptive for me, they got pushed to an extreme under the lens of ayahuasca. And mm-hmm. it was like this meta experience at that point. It's like these last, like this wasn't stuff that like got downloaded into me like during my ceremonies. It was like observing my behavior and then my reactions and like the, the ricochet effect, mm-hmm. um, showed me like, holy shit, like I can't keep doing this. Like I can't keep overthinking things to this degree, thinking that I'm making progress and absolutely not going anywhere with it. Um, I have to let go of some of my stubbornness. Like, I mean, cause like during the six month period where I was just completely not myself, everyone who I, like my family was commenting, like, you don't, you don't seem happy. Like you don't seem like yourself. Like you seem super off. My poor boyfriend, like many times tried to lead me into like, you know, maybe you're thinking this about this too much. You might be like analyzing this too much. You might just want to like, let it go. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I'll analyze it more. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. I analyze it more. I'll, I'll figure out my over analyst, Mm -hmm. over analyzing by analyzing it. Like it just turned Mm -hmm. into this like, Mm -hmm. and I know that the, the intensity of that experience definitely is going to stick with me for my whole life. Like anytime I feel tempted to go back to that way of doing things, I'm like, remember what happened (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) with that hell period? Let's not do that anymore. It doesn't work. So I I can definitely see how, I mean, I can, I can create a narrative for all of those experiences that feels very satisfying in retrospect, especially because I'm not having like the, you know, that those panic attack dissociation episodes anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
at the same time, I don't, I think there would have been other ways to like get to that experience. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like in retrospect, I think you can, as long as you don't approach the world with like a sense of being a victim to it, you can, you can find meaning in anything. It doesn't necessarily mean that something had to happen in order for you to get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. I think we have a lot of routes that we, we can go through. Um, but it's kind of like this, this paradox of like the path is perfect and things have consequences. Mm. So it's a great way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Well, take me back to these, um, you know, these six months that were so hard. I mean, when you say dissociative, um, episodes, you mean like sort of like what they call depersonalization, those sort of things that people have after doing, you know, people have gotten that after doing like even marijuana or, you know, cannabis, whatever. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Even simple things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, so like the experience of it was, so I've had panic attacks occasionally throughout life. Um, and it wasn't, cause at first I was like, is that like, is this, it's not, it wasn't a full panic attack type thing. It was like the beginning of starting to feel hyper aware of every sensation in your body and like getting like super internal, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, all of a sudden you feel your heartbeat. You're like super aware of the fact that you're breathing and causing your lungs to go up and down. Um, and that would be followed by like a huge wave of nausea, very evocative of my ayahuasca experiences. It was like I was being brought back into those last, last ceremonies for, mm-hmm. um, you know, anywhere between a few minutes, maybe 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that would happen. I would start panicking. Um, the most intense episode I can remember was I was taking the train, a train down from Seattle to Portland. I was just sitting on this Amtrak train, like looking out the window. And then all of a sudden everything went dark. Like it was like just... Mm-hmm like a dark gradient got put down over everything. I could still see, but it was like muddy and gray. Mm -hmm. And I was, I had this thought of, Oh my God, I'm in hell. Nobody in this train can help me. I'm completely stuck inside of myself. I'm like lost in the universe. It was just this like impending doom Mm -hmm. to the extent where I like, I think I was trying to text at the time and I just had to put my phone down and like, look at my hands and like try to keep breathing. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 there was just a fracturing of identity that it wasn't like an ego death type thing. It was like, like something's just fucked up. Like yeah. there was, there's, and it, and it was so hard because I would get into this thought loop of, okay, maybe I'm feeling like this, like call back to the nausea because there's something in my life out of alignment that I need to like figure out. And so it got back into like this figuring out thing where I would assign meaning to every sensation I was feeling in my body. And then it would just got into this obsessive yeah, thing. Like, it was, <laughs> no, and I was like, but I just, if I just figure it out, then I can release it. And that was the loop that just kept playing over mm-hmm. and over every time this would happen. And it's, uh, it, I really couldn't see outside of that. I couldn't mm-hmm. see outside of any of that. And this, and so this happened for six months and I'll be also transparent that the thing that actually completely took it away, um, I did ecstasy. <laughs> I did MDMA. Oh. <laughs> Jesus, Denise, so you're killing me here. <laughs> and, um, so this, this is actually interesting because there's MDMA therapy right now. And this was the drug I had the most judgment against apart from like, you know, party drugs, like, like cocaine. Which or is heroin. funny, right? Because that one is, I think it probably has the most clinical research being done to, with it. It does for, right? especially for PTSD, which yes. is essentially what I developed mm-hmm. in a way after like a physically traumatic experience, psychologically and physically traumatic experience, um, in the sense of like damaging the nervous system, like Mm -hmm. trauma. I don't want to say like trauma, eh, trauma is a loaded word, but like there was, I definitely was, was damaged. I damaged myself within those ayahuasca ceremonies and then was having this like 
pretty consistent with certain forms of PTSD. Mm -hmm. And I just could not get back to that spot of remembering where to go in my mind to get out of it. I was Mm -hmm. just stuck, just stuck on the circle. Like I knew there was like a ladder somewhere that I could climb and like the sun would be shining again, but I just could not find it. Right. And so I did, uh, this was an ecstasy. I want to say very clearly, like this is one where you have to be very careful. Like, you know, God protect your brain very easy to, to damage a lot of things. If you do it excessively, this was like a one-time thing for me. Um, Mm -hmm. but the, the experience of having all of the judgment, thinking, shame, all of these spots where I was like just stuck in this loop of figuring it out so that I can like heal and be back. All of it just lifted, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. you feel amazing. Obviously it's accessing. You feel amazing. (laughs) Um, and so all of those things lifted and it's like my body got this map of how to get back to that state of normalcy. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, wait, this is what you felt like before all of this stuff that you piled onto it. This Mm -hmm. is what it like. Here's how to get there. And the, that, so I did that once and none of Hmm. the, any of the, all of it ended. And that that was like an overnight thing. I mean, you literally completely ended. Never came And back. was this a special kind of, you know, I don't know, because they do do ceremonies with that stuff too and all kinds of stuff. Or was this just something that you did, I don't know, alone with a friend or whatever? This was this was my boyfriend seeing how stuck I was inside of my head and just having a feeling that this was going to help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, and I was like so stuck. I was like, I was like, dude, I don't want to do a party drug. I want to do like my spiritual psychedelics. <laughs> like I want to like, I want to you know, go do all these like astral things. Mm-hmm. And again, that was like a big moment of me having to eat my words and being like, oh my God, there's a lot of therapy, a lot of therapeutic value in this. Mm-hmm. Cause the only times I'd, I'd ever like experienced anyone on ecstasy was like at parties where, you know, someone would come up to you and they're like, oh my God, oh, this carpet feels so fucking good. And it's just like, shit, I don't want to do that. Um, and I've, I mean, I've definitely been a very serious person for most of my life. Like I never mm-hmm. really want, like I never valued like fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> a long time. So I had a lot of judgments against a lot of different things. Uh-huh. And, um, so when, after that, the like MDMA experience, like almost reversed the damage I had done on this other drug. Again, I don't want to say like, let's just throw drugs on drugs on drugs to fix things. But this was a very very important personal journey for me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because after I kind of realized, Oh shit, like this, whatever this, this substance did, like it, it, it like did actually give, give my nervous system a reset to mm-hmm. the point where I can function normally. I feel amazing. Like this, this was back in um, March when this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was, it, it opened my eyes to like the therapeutic potential of a lot of different things yeah. and made me very curious. And so I've, since then I've, I've encountered a few other people who basically had a psychotic break on ayahuasca mm-hmm. and were able to use MDME therapy to get back to normal. Mm. So it's, it's interesting to me, especially again, as somebody who like for my first 32 years of life, I was staunchly anti-drug. I didn't even want to touch them. Mm-hmm. So many judgments, a lot of judgments against people who did them, even recreationally, even like therapeutically. I mean, you know, I, I had met people on Iowa, from ayahuasca, like we were talking about, that are just like, you know, they never come back down there. <laughs> and, yeah. and there's mm-hmm. a, that's, that's off-putting too, right? It's like you want to, we don't come here, we don't come to be human to stop being human, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's like if, you're, if your path here is an attempt to, outrun 
the things that make you very, very human and to like, you know, fix them or, you know, there's a, there's a thing there that happens where you just stop being embodied. You just kind of, mm-hmm. you're just not here. Um, yeah. It's like that. Um, it's like that Buddha quote, right? Where he says, uh, before enlightenment, you, um, chop wood and carry water. And after enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. <laughs> I love that one. That's yeah, exactly me too. It. <laughs> so you got to stay here. And um, but when you say like you know MDMA therapy, so the people that you've, I'm assuming you've only tried that one time. Did you do it multi- more? To, to... that was that was a one time thing. I mean the mm-hmm. giving drug advice on your podcast. I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> I'm doing some right now. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. okay. Was, um, so so they they say you know you need at least three months between mm. any any experience just because it does like it, it basically tells your brain, let's dump all of the serotonin out and just flood you. And so you feel absolutely amazing for mm-hmm. however long the, uh, the trip lasts. But then there's definitely like a rebound effect where for a few days, you're just going to feel like, Whoa, yeah, like, you know, poopy. you're something, something to happen to your brain. Like you yeah. feel it. I mean, um, have you talked to anybody that's done like clinical trials or anything like that? Like have, have been involved in those, you know, I've all, only on Reddit, like, you know, oh, no, 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 but Hey, I mean, that's where it's at right now. You can't just, because they're not talking about it. I mean, that's it. It's like, it's so hard to find like a group of people, you know, who've been like, you know, they've done it under some type of controlled setting. You know, everyone is going to explain their experience with their own filter, their own bias. You never know what somebody's background was, what the context was. Right. There's just so many unknowns. And that's, it's a really unfortunate thing that, these, these drugs are still so generally illegal mm-hmm. because it, it causes that effect of like, it's harder to get funding for studies that would actually improve the ability to make them legal by making them safer. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's kind of like, I know right now MAPS is doing a lot of amazing research. Like they did right. a psilocybin study. I think they did, or was it John Hopkins? It, one of the people, one of the places that's studying, you know, therapeutic use of psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Psilocybin, like I think it was two two doses of psilocybin, the active ingredient in, you know, magic mushrooms, Mm -hmm. um, 50% of the people who went in with depression went into remission. Which is a lot more than, um, our our current prescription drugs that your doctor will readily, um, prescribe to you when you go to to their office. Exactly. A lot more and fewer side effects. Fewer side effects. And also, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I try to be objective, you know, I try to be an objective person because you do, like you said, you do also wonder who are those people, what's their background, because all that stuff matters, you know, um, so I don't know, we'll see, we'll, we'll see, I hopefully yeah. there'll be more um, trials done that can you can talk about it and you can see and people can research about it. Um, have you looked into the other, you know, like, other places that do, you know, Ibogaine, peyote, um, uh, mescaline, right? Those sort of places. Have you looked at any of that stuff? Um, I'm only familiar with a place called Mind Bloom that uses ketamine. Mm-hmm. And this is, ketamine is a, yes, a weird a one. one. I have. Yeah, sorry. Yes, I just one. remember there's a clinic here in LA actually, and it's legal. You can go, they, I mean, it's a real doctor and blah, blah, blah. They'll monitor you and they'll uh, administer you ketamine for depression. I think that's the, that's the number one kind of thing for it. It's mm-hmm. as far as I know, it's the only one that's actually like legally approved to be used in those situations. And I think that's because, you know, it's technically a tranquilizer. Like it's been approved for <laughs> on, I'm trying to find all my all my wires are like Yeah, since it's already like approved for like medical use, I think that was that made it easier to get snuck in for like these other 
uh, other purposes. So from from my understanding, like ketamine, at very low doses, it'll have like a dissociative effect. So you're you're almost able to get some distance from whatever it is you're acutely experiencing. And there's, I mean, I'm going to butcher anything I try to explain about it, because this is the one I probably know the least about. Um, but they're, you know, the they're having a fair degree of success using it for those purposes too. Yeah. And then at higher doses, you get like the K-hole experience, which is like yes. <laughs> consciousness. Yeah, you hear, you know? yeah, I hear some crazy stories about that one. I don't, yeah, know, that I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> that, one sounds, that one sounds like the biggest wild card to me because like you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know if that really has a lasting therapeutic effect. I don't know either. Yeah, yeah so that one's an unknown too. You know, you brought up an interesting word though, and I've been thinking about that a lot. Like you said, you know, you said experience. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, like I said, if you're depressed and anxious and you go to your doctor and you, you know, ask them for some SSRIs, they prescribe you a pill that you take every day. Usually, well, not usually, it's always now. I think it's at least a year. If you get the prescription, you should be taking it for a year. That's like the yeah. minimum dose, you know, for like Lexapro or, you know, any of those SSRIs. I can't remember. They change the name so often, you know. Anyway. Um, and it's funny, right, that these other drugs that we're talking about, are it's more of an experience type of thing. It's not a thing that right. you do every day. You keep taking it because you, right. you know you have to kind of keep pushing that button every day in order to feel better. It's more so like right. you have this experience, and now you go into the world and and you know see what it's like from there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 much different, and I I think the with I know at least with psilocybin I think they find this with ayahuasca too is that it has the potential to generate new neurons like in the brain like for one experience of it can like create these baby new pathways and then if you can just keep reinforcing that those pathways after this one experience you can almost build a new a new system for yourself mm-hmm. that that doesn't include the the same deviations that create depression or anxiety and so it's it's almost like I don't want to say like a cure, but I think it's like a reshaping that it can do mm-hmm. that we we haven't achieved with most pharmaceuticals at this point, which th- that makes it intriguing to me because like I don't want to put people on like a, you know, drip feed of like yeah. you just have to do this every day for the rest of your life to be normal. Yeah, well, also like it, it, it's not a good um... – it's, it's not a good, I don't know, it's not a good deal for the medical system. You know what I mean? Because we give you this one experience and then you're healed. It's like, right. no, motherfucker, right. we got to get you every day for a <laughs> yeah. 10-year prescription at least. You got to go to CVS every day, you know, every few we months to pick up the... problems that we can make money off of. Exactly. <laughs> so that's an interesting distinction, right, to really think about. It. And I was thinking about it. I was like, I don't know if it'll, even with the MDMA thing, like, I don't know if it would ever be possible Unless, again, maybe if we, as a humanity in general, take a whole new step in our evolution and create some sort yeah. of new medical system. But, like, as I'm saying, I don't know if it'll ever be a part of the medical system because it's not a pill that you take every day. It's not a, you know, a button that you press every day. It's this experience and then you're done with it, well, supposedly, right? Right, right. right. I don't know. <laughs> so did you have that um, experience that everybody so commonly says as, you know, ego death or, you know, ego dissolution or whatever you want to call it? Do you feel like you've been through that? Um, I don't, I don't think I've hit that point. I think mm-hmm. that my, so my, at least when I look at ayahuasca, the, um, the first two ceremonies were very much about like seeing all the spots where I don't allow myself to receive love, including for myself. Like there, there was a big, big focus on like, don't be so hard on yourself. Um, 
is, is there was definitely more of an identity component. Like it wasn't like I vanished, right? It was like, I was still there. I was just kind of learning all these ways that I was blind to that. I was making my life harder and not letting, let, not letting things in. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my experiences with mushrooms, I think got closer to what you're talking about. Although there wasn't like a breakthrough where I left my body and like, Oh, I'm part of the universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was definitely like a veil being lifted on like the, so the highest dose of mushrooms I did was four grams. And I did that shortly after I got to Phoenix. Like we moved here, like I moved here with my boyfriend. We did a little road trip here, um, got here and I was like, I want to do mushrooms. And he's, he's been <laughs> good. Cause he's, he's seen me go through the, the, I want to do more and more and more to get a bigger experience. He's like three grams is enough. Four grams. You don't do, you don't want to do the shamanic meet the aliens dose. I was like, I want to. Like, you don't need that. Anyway, uh-huh. it's, it's good to have a grounding force in my life, given my natural inclinations to Definitely. just you know push things to the extreme. Um, but the, that, that ceremony was like, it brought, it brought me back to the space that felt like home. Mm. I'll say like, and kind of to scroll back. So, you, you know, there's different theories of like what generates consciousness. You have like the standard materialism framework, which is everything is just generated by brain reactions, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. once biological life ends, consciousness ends, like mm-hmm. bottom line. I think there's a lot of strikes against that theory. I mean, if you look at the research on near-death experiences and the number of people who can report accurately things that were happening in their operating room or wherever they were in the hospital while they were registering zero brain activity, mm-hmm. um, there's there's a lot of stuff there that's kind of, you know, whatever. Um, there's a guy named Ian Stevenson. He founded... Yeah. Are you familiar with yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you could say it's at least fascinating, right? At it's least you can say that. There, there's, there's a lot. It opens up a lot of unknowns, and yeah. I'm, I'm always of the mind that what, whatever we're experiencing here, we're so limited in our ability to comprehend. Yeah. Like even if you, you go into like a psychedelic experience and then you try to explain it when you're back, like kind of sober, mm-hmm. you can't. Like you can't. you're it makes zero it, sense, just, right? There's mm-hmm. just you can. There's so little that you can really convey yeah it's like taking like a globe of the earth and then trying to like convey it on a map it's like you're always going to have some weird like flattening that just it doesn't it's not the same thing mm-hmm. um so you know you, it's like you have like uh the anyway you have this idea of the mind generating consciousness and i'm personally not a believer in that but it's still kind of the prevailing paradigm mm-hmm. if you suggest things outside of that you're considered kind of woo there's like yeah some even though they literally have no fucking clue what causes consciousness absolutely zero like, like there's nothing you there's can't even no. you can't argue it there's no you know richard dawkins whatever neil degrasse tyson yeah. they have zero zero knowledge of what's happening there it's just yeah. it's just true i mean i'm not saying yeah. that we're right or they're wrong whatever but i'm just just the truth right like they absolutely have no real like just nothing i don't even know what to say that, that's it just nothing there it's like it's like where did life come from it's the same kind of question it's like there's been so many theories about like well yeah. this this amino acid combined with this led to this 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 but it's yeah. like we still haven't been able to create life And that at least is like there's this theory that does the Big Bang, that this and that, that, but with consciousness, they they have no idea. They try monitoring brains. They can't fucking understand why it's doing this, why it's doing that. Oh, yeah, we figured out where, you know, this part of the brain lights up when you're excited. Oh, wow. Like that means, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's what I think is like, you know, you you can measure 
you can you can have somebody going through an experience and then you can kind of watch what their brain is doing coinciding with that experience. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like saying like, oh, the rods and cones in your eye are what like, you know, caused the object in front of you. It's like, no, that's your interpretive, like that's your biological tool for interpreting something that exists. Yeah. Well, and, and then you look at the research of like meditation and then like their brain doesn't light up when they do the same cues for them. And it's like, right. you know, so what, what oh, the fuck? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's a certain arrogance that permeates a lot oh, of yeah. like the, the scientific community. And so I think, I think, we're going to see more and more evidence kind of chipping away at a lot of the prevailing paradigms. It's like, um, the book, have you read the book, the structure of scientific revolutions? Not that one. No. Something soon. Um, I haven't, I also have not read it, but I've read, (laughs) (laughs) I read about it it to like, yeah, like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And it's, it's this idea of, you know, we like throughout human history, we've like reached different understandings and models of like, um, how things work. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, we'll create a model that explains a lot, like maybe 90% of what we're perceiving. We run with that because it, it works so effectively for the time we generate it. Um, and then you start getting towards the edges of our understanding and the predictive ability of our models start fracturing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, it's like with like the, the rice diet thing, right? It's like, okay, <laughs> so you have like the insulin, mo- carbohydrate insulin model. It can explain a lot, but then you get these little anomalies. It's like, <laughs> well, then you find minute. more and more and more. And then you're more like, and more and more. Exactly. what doesn't right. fit There's... with my idea of the world? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So and you see that everywhere though. And so then you get to the edge of this and like suddenly the, the paradigm breaks. And it, that's the point where you have what the author of this book called a paradigm shift. It's like the whole way you're looking at something has to like level up and it's mm-hmm. going to, you can't even from where you are right now, it's like, you can't even predict what that's going to be. Um, but it's going to like cause like a world worldview shift for like yeah. the entire community. So I think we're going to have that with consciousness at some point, like yeah. the thing we're working with right now that we're still holding on to is predictive quality is failing. Right. So Mm -hmm. we're having more and more anomalies that we're bringing up. And yeah, you can like try to dismiss every single one is like, oh, that person made that up or that person was crazy or that study was rigged or whatever. That's the best way to dismiss those people. Yeah. And like you said, you know, even with the brain thing, it's like, you know, there's a lots of well, that's the thing. If you're a physicist and you believe the things that the mainstream physicists like say, if you agree with them, you're cool. If you're a physicist that you know says something else, you're a quack. That lo- that lovely word that I, I love that American word quack. It's just like great way to just dismiss. You're insane. Out. Yeah, because there are a lot of physicists that believe that the brains, like you said, there's that model. Sorry, there's that model that you described, and then there's the yeah. other model of your brain is more of like an antenna that kind of receives this, you know, information, and it's just antenna. from somewhere else, and then that's what's happening when you're processing stuff. Right. So it's right. that, that one makes a lot more sense to me. I think we're going to probably be moving towards that, you know, if I had to predict. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. It's like, so brain activity co- coinciding with experience. And then there might be this deeper thing that's kind of causing both of those at once. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like Aldous Huxley had the idea of like the mind is a filter. Like you have this like greater reality mm-hmm. and then you have something that limits you to just be able to perceive like physical senses and, mm-hmm. Um, you know, not get completely overwhelmed by every detail around you. It's like, cause like, it, like mushrooms are a good example. When you're on mushrooms, you're walking around, everything is amazing. It's like <laughs> stars. It's like, Oh my God, look at the stars. Look at my hand. Oh my God. And it's just like the, the amount of information that you're taking in at once, mm-hmm. which again is why like, you know, set and setting are so important. It's like, if you're around something that's really like difficult, like you're going to amplify that. 
but it's like, it's almost like some filters have been removed, right? Mm -hmm. So you could either view it as, okay, your senses are amplified or maybe our natural state, whatever, like, you know, just pure distilled consciousness is, is so receptive and so aware and so connected that you have to put filters on it in order to function in a physical human body in this reality. Mm -hmm. And so like that, that one resonates more with me, especially like based on my experiences, like again, going back to like the ego death thing, um, when like doing four grams of mushrooms, my experience was being back in this realm that was the same place as ayahuasca. It was just like this, like home, home channel almost. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you're, you're, you're still here, but you can see the, the nuance of everything that actually does exist and you yeah. can interact with it and it's like palpable. Um, in that state, like my identity is Denise left and like, um, you know, I believe in reincarnation, but this could be in, reinter- this interpreted as just, you know, symbols that my mind came together with. Like I had a memory of like living in the desert of like Phoenix, like in a tribe and like being pressed up against this wall is like arrows were flying by and like just having this thought of I have to hide in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And that showed up for me because I had been working on this, um, this personal pattern of like hiding, like mm-hmm. hiding from the public. Like I even did it with my, my blog and my, my public job. It's like, I went into this like state of like, Oh, I just have to get away from everything, go underground. I do that with people in my life. I've done that. Like even in the context of relationships, like hi- like just having this posture of hiding mm-hmm. that I took with me everywhere. And, um, I couldn't figure out why it felt like a life or death thing to be seen. Mm. And so like I was in this, this one psychedelic trip with mushrooms and like this one memory of like my heart racing pressed against this wall, just trying not to be seen. And like the way that connected with survival for me, Mm -hmm. hiding is survival. Mm. Like I was able to release so much just from feeling that connection, just being like, Oh shit. Like that's why I feel this way. That's why I've carried this with me. It's Mm -hmm. completely irrelevant now. Like I don't need to, to do that, but I still had this like some type of memory embedded that I had been carrying with me with through throughout all of my life experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of the closest thing I got to like losing my identity as Denise Mm -hmm. and again, mushrooms surprisingly, right? Not, not, yeah. And is it Terrence McKenna that said that five grams, is it five grams? That's the heroic dose or whatever. He coined coined that term or whatever. (laughs) I think it was, I think five grams, five grams. I think he had the whole like five grams blindfolded alone in the dark or something. It's the way (laughs) full experience. That sounds intense. (laughs) That sounds super intense. I mean, I always use music and that's, that's such a hit big contributor. I can see how if you're in in complete silence, the thing that you're going to be building off is like whatever minutia is kind of happening inside, Mm -hmm. sounds you know after my experience with ayahuasca i want to take it a lot more gently (laughs) yeah yeah well well, you know you know i mean i wanted to talk to you about that you know because because look i i want to talk about it from the other point of view now because yeah plant medicines you know quote unquote um have kind of become like 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 uh like face tattoos do you know what i mean like 30 years ago they fucking meant something like dudes. If you saw a dude with a face tattoo, like that's a hard dude. You know, he probably was in jail. He killed somebody. God knows. And then now it's like, if you have a face tattoo, it's like, I have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and I moisturize like, right. Like, (laughs) like that's what it means now. Right. (laughs) And plant medicines have also become that thing where it's like I said, people used to, you know, I mean, it was hard to find, like, you know, I've read about that stuff. I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And, 
And even 10, 15 years ago, which is not that long ago, it's already the internet age, it was hard to find stuff like that. I mean, to like really read about it, you know, there was only like those thick books by like Terrence McKenna and whatnot, yeah. you know? And then now you just have every f- fucking biohacker from Silicon Valley yeah. that wears blue blockers flying to, you know, Costa Rica and he's doing these trips and and then he's microdosing, um, you know, LSD daily and he drinks, you know, oat milk lattes. And it's just like, you know, it just <laughs> became this like thing that to, to like – you know, like I've been in the fitness, nutrition, health and world world for a long time too. And like, you know, there's so many fads that I'm just like, Ugh. like, you know, like, you know, worthy. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it's, I hate to see this stuff sort of become like that, but it kind of has, you have to admit that it's becoming this like, it completely has. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, I miss at the beginning. It's like, it's like when, when all of a sudden, like, you know, your mom got a tattoo you're like, oh, this is like, this is like, <laughs> like, this is yeah, like, like if your mom joined Instagram, right? She exactly. like follows you're like, you oh, and comments wow, on your shit. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I should get off. <laughs> exactly. So I think, I think we're absolutely at that crux, which is why like my, like, so I'm going to, my personal goal is to like write about this kind of thing online more and start, you know, sharing my personal experience. Cause I think it could be valuable to prevent people from kind of going down the same mistake path that I went down. Um, because I, on one hand, yes, there's like tremendous, tremendous therapeutic potential as there is with, you know, changing your diet as there is with like any of these things that have gotten blown up into a religion. Um, at the same time, there's a very distinct lack of quality control in terms of like, who really should be using these things? Like what's the appropriate reason like what is there are there things that you can try first that might be less risky or might might like keep you more down to earth um and as things become more popular yeah there's totally like this like novelty seeking or like tourism about it that that is less about what the that like that deeper therapeutic potential is and more about like just getting a new experience you're just like my friend did this my whatever did this i want to try it too and I think that's where the dangerous territory is because plant medicines are, they're very powerful. Like they have a very, very deep ability to affect things about the way you see your life, the way, the way you see yourself. They can cause physical changes. Like, I mean, there's definitely people who've had psychotic breaks doing psychedelics and like just never came back. Like we need to acknowledge that fact. It's not something that you, it's not like a party drug that you go and you do it because you want to have a good time or like a good experience. Cause like there's, there's an unpredictability, even like comparing it to alcohol, like, you know what you're getting with alcohol. You're not going to have like a good trip on alcohol one day, a bad trip on another day. And then be, (laughs) you know, then have, take, have six months of panic attacks. Right. You know, it's a a more predictable thing there with plant medicines. You really don't have a way to control the outcome. It's like you, the, you are putting yourself in a receptive state to whatever experience arises. And you can control a few of those variables. You can like try to make sure that you're in a good setting. Um, you could try to go, you know, to a, a, a very legit, uh, retreat center, but like at the end of the day, you don't know what you're going to get mm-hmm. and you have to be prepared for whatever comes into your life to then be your responsibility to handle. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's the part that's kind of missing because it's, there's too much like excitement and hype right now yeah. around like the, the potential like benefits without 
yeah. without this like grounding to it too. Yeah. And, and, and especially being illegal in the States, right? It's kind of hard to find hey, what's, yeah. what's what, what's but, not, you know, but even going yeah. to, I don't know, have you thought, have you ever thought about going to, you know, like one of those, you know, where it's legal, Costa Rica, I guess, Peru or Brazil, whatever people go. Maybe yeah. Some of those centers and stuff. Can't remember yeah. the name of one, Costa Rica. Yeah. Like Dorian Yates been there, like all these kind of famous people, you know, but anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there's, I think, I think, well, I think you still run into the same problem. I mean, you have, mm. even if you go to a place that is, you know, heavily trained, the people who are running it are maybe like legit, like generational shamans who've been trained and like have been working towards this their whole life. If you're coming as an American, for an example, or Russian, you know, wherever you're from, <laughs> um, and you're showing up at one of these places with your backdrop of Western experience. Right. And, and I would, I'll say to you, like, I think the Western mindset tends to be very extractive in nature in general. Mm. You want to go get yours. You yeah. want to go get and grab and cord and like hold on mm -hmm. and acquire. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's far less, like, I think psychedelics need to be approached, um, with a receptive state instead of like this, like penetrative, let me go into this experience and grab everything I can out of it. Like you need to just like, all right, what comes to me, I'm going to be open to that. I'm not going to fight it, which is a much different relationship with, with psychedelics than I think a lot of people approach it with again, mm -hmm. with the, like this Western mentality. So, you know, if you're like a Westerner, you hear about the, like you want to go to Costa Rica or Peru or Ecuador or wherever, and you go down there and like, let's say you've had depression your whole life and you're like, I want something to fix my depression. Mm -hmm. I keep hearing about all the stuff fixing my depression. I'm going to go down there. You have maybe an amazing experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. Amazing experience. You're, you experience life without depression for a few days. You come back to the U S you're glowing and you're telling everybody, Oh my God, this is the most amazing <laughs> thing. And then, you know, a few weeks or months later, you're like, Oh shit, okay, I'm depressed again. Oh no, it's coming back. Mm -hmm fucking plant medicine. Dude. <laughs> God damn it. Right. Uh, it's like, is that really going to write a bad Yelp review for that? Yeah. Fucking shit. yeah I'm going to write that. Just wait till you see the Google reviews on this motherfucker. There you, yeah. there you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a high risk of people doing that because mm -hmm. especially the more, more of like these miracle healing experiences that you hear about, yeah. um, you're going to go expecting a pill to make you better. Yeah. And it's just the same thing that we do. It's the same framework we're approaching drugs with, diet with, even exercise with. I want to do this so that it'll fix this. It's like you can't you can't go with the expectation with any expectation. Mm -hmm. The more expectations you saddle upon any experience with plant medicine, the more you're going to be disappointed. That's my my opinion. I love that you brought that up because it's important. Like you said, there, there is every culture and every, even every nation has, you know, a little bit of a different mindset and you have to be, you have right. to, I mean, first step is just to understand that you have a different mindset. You know, I don't, I think a lot of people are not quite there yet. You know what I mean? They just think everybody's, 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 I mean, yes, people are, I guess, more similar than they are different, but you know, even like when you're learning like a very foreign language, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, maybe French is doable, but like, hey, I'll take you to like Mandarin, Chinese. You, it's oh, like yeah. a, a whole different thing, right? It's like yeah. you're not oh, yeah. that, you know, that whatever. The connection is not there in your brain because it's just not part of our kind of system. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 So I think I think the that that danger is always going to be there. And the other, the other point being, it's like if you look at how these plant medicines have been used historically and culturally, I mean, I'm not someone to say like, you know, oh, using like ayahuasca's 
cultural appropriation unless you're like part of the tribe. Because <laughs> um, I think that, I mean, no, there's no one has a monopoly on like wisdom, right? Or like there's, 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 you have different entry points into like these experiences, but like none of those are like trademarked or like patented. It's like, this is accessible to like humanity as a whole. And if you're trying to yeah. be like, well, not until Americans lot. get their hands on it. Just, you just wait. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. Right. <laughs> uh, exactly. I mean, so, you know, yeah, there's definitely that mentality. Um, but that's a great way of looking at it. That's just an entry point. I think, like you said, that's a great it's, way it's of putting yeah. it. Yeah. So, so like, I don't, I don't want to say that people shouldn't be doing something just because they're not of that culture, like by blood. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you look at the way these plant medicines were used, like, you know, generationally for a really, really long time, they're in tribal settings where, you know, it's like this, I think often with ayahuasca, it was only the shaman who would use ayahuasca and then like kind of bring wisdom back to the tribe or like get answers for how to heal people. It wasn't that everyone was imbibing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, there's also the the context of like the Western lifestyle is so foreign almost to like how humans have spent the majority of our existence mm-hmm. on this planet. Like there's a book called don't sleep. There are snakes by Daniel Everett. Have you heard of this? It's no. a really interesting book. It's about mm-hmm. this, um, it's a missionary, a Christian missionary who went down to this, uh, I think they're called the Pilaha tribe. I might be saying that wrong. Mm-hmm. It was this one tribe in the Amazon where they sent missionary after missionary trying to convert them. And every time they were like, we don't need your God. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they, they, they brought this one very talented linguist down named Daniel Everett who wrote this book. And so he's down there like trying to appeal to this tribe from the Western standpoint. I think he brought up at one point, I want to say it was his brother that committed suicide. I think it was someone close to him and committed suicide. And so he was, he was uh, telling the tribe this story, very sad story, you know, t- very difficult for him to tell about how his brother had killed himself due to like the, the lack of contentment in his life, maybe not having God. I don't recall the details. Mm-hmm. The tribe burst out laughing. <laughs> Their response was, why would anyone kill themselves? That's the thing. That's <laughs> yes. The thing, right. Yes. So it's like, there's different, there's such different, I mean, just astronomically yeah. different ways of experiencing life. And like, once you leave like that tribal yeah. setting where everyone has a role, like everyone's connected, like no one's left out, no one's yes. living alone in an apartment, like on the outskirts of town <laughs> on Reddit all night, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a, it's, it's a different, different experience with life itself yes. that, you know, these, these medicines evolved in like they, mm-hmm. and then, so then you take a Westerner, you just, there's so many unknown variables that you're throwing at this experience. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the part where, Again, like like you said, like this explosion of it becoming trendy, mm-hmm. it's concerning. Because like like a face tattoo is one thing. You might regret that. <laughs> like you're going to regret that at some point. <laughs> you might regret that likely at some point. But like a, if you have a bad experience on a psychedelic, like you, may, you might be broken for life. Like yeah. I'm going to – that sounds really dramatic, but there's people out there who've had that experience. Yeah. And I, I feel there are ways to prevent that, but mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't know what those ways are yet. So yeah. that's – that's the, the sticky spot. Yeah, I just the, the people that I've known that've been you know broken is just the ones that just kept doing it and they're still doing it and they're just uh-huh. not there. I haven't heard any like I don't know anything any anything worse than that. Have you heard some people just completely losing their shit and go into a mental hospital or what? There's there's people um, that I've that I've heard of who like they'll often like they already had PTSD or something. Mm-hmm. 
they went and did maybe ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is the one I've heard the most that has like the, like, oh God, this pushed me towards a breaking point. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's people who didn't realize they had a lot of trauma. Like maybe they were abu- like sexually, like horrifically abused when they were like three and they didn't remember it. Mm-hmm. They go under the medicine, plant medicine, all the memories come up and they just break. Like mm. they just break. They cannot handle the amount of information that just showed up that, that changed their perception of their life and who they are. And then they just never come back to normal. Mm. And I have heard of people who like, they stopped being able to function, like at their jobs, they had to like, they're just in bed all day, a couple mm. years after the experience. Um, mm. And again, like we don't, we don't have studies necessarily on these people. Yeah. And I was kind of searching to see what, what long-term studies there are being done. And the, the problem is like a lot of the times the, the people who are being followed up with long-term initially did their plant medicine experience in a controlled setting, like with maps or John Hopkins or whoever's doing it. And so there's, there's more screening for those people. Like they're not going to bring someone in with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. They're going to like make sure someone's stable enough to like handle the experience. And so the long-term effects of those people are going to be different than the long-term effects of like, you know, Joe blow off the street who like, was like already like 98% insane and then went to like ayahuasca and blew the other 2% out of the water. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's just, again, there's so many unknowns and I, I have seen enough like, Oh shit experiences where, um, yeah, it, it gives me trepidation and saying like, everyone should go do this. It's like really, you really need to evaluate where you're at in life. Mm see if you have like the capacity to potentially hold a very physically demanding experience. Um, if you're somebody who like breaks down, if you, if you have like a really tight nervous system and like you just cannot handle, like you fly off the handle if something, someone cuts you off in traffic or like mm-hmm. you just, you can't keep it together. Like you might want to work on like meditation or just like getting to know your internal terrain better mm-hmm. to expand your capacity to even just hold sensations so that you can be, entering these experiences and ceremonies with, um, almost a better foundation. Like, I think there's guidance that we can, we can give to people, but it's, it's very crude right now. It's all like so much of it's guesswork. And I don't even feel comfortable telling somebody like, go do this plant medicine, even if they seem like they're in a great space to do it. Cause like, I don't want the responsibility of if they have a bad experience and never come back from it. I don't want to be haunted. They'll find you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, okay. So what, so then what's next for you? What do you, so you're interested in writing about it, researching about it? Yeah, I think I'm, so this was kind of my first like public talking about it, mm-hmm. which I'm very grateful for you that you're coming on. It was awesome. On the internet <laughs> as somebody who, you know, <laughs> hey, responsibly person. though, responsibly, responsibly. And that's, that's, I mean, that's really the biggest thing too. I'm, I'm, if anyone can benefit from, the experiences I went through via hearing what I did and maybe recognizing, oh, I kind of have that same pattern or this was kind of the reason I wanted to do this or, oh, yeah, um, 100% worth it to me, like, that I went through it if I can then pass on what I learned from it. Um, so, I mean, my next steps in, right now are, like, I, I'm i going to continue doing, like, personal research on the use of psychedelics. Like, right now I'm, I, have, I have, like, a tab opening addiction on my browsers before I had to take like 15 minutes to close out everything before we did this, <laughs> this podcast. Cause I just have like study after study open. Um, so right now I'm in the process of like kind of immersing myself in, in the research that's been done so far. And my specific interest right now is like, if somebody has a really bad trip, right? Like if someone had like the last two ay- ayahuasca experiences that I had, 
and then gets into this spiral of like, you know, you do something physically to your brain that's like, it gets you stuck, right? Um, you know, how do we get out of that? How do we even understand what happened? I mean, like, is it is it that, you know, you, you're you taking a substance that has the potential to generate new neurons, first of mm-hmm. all, so like you're kind of building these new pathways. And then the experience you have when you're building those pathways, it's like traumatic and anxiety ridden and like hellish. Is that going to like imprint? Is that is that going to form new pathways that are specifically that right? Mm-hmm. And then you carry mm-hmm. that with you after even the the medicine is out of your body. Um, that's the kind of my working theory, and so I'm like exploring the links between like you know PTSD, MDMA. I'm just like you know drowning mm-hmm. in information right now, which mm-hmm. is my thing because I like to think so much. But beautiful. <laughs> um, Can you see yourself be- going back to writing about um, you know carbs and insulin and stuff like that? But, you know, <laughs> To be I, honest, <laughs> I've promised so many people that I'm going to write in defense of low fat part to you that I would like to uphold that commitment. Okay. It's so uninteresting to me. Right <laughs> I have piles and piles of like little snippets that I've written. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can't get myself to write a full blog post, I'm probably just going to publish like a bullet point list of like, here's this study. Like there's like really interesting studies on like potatoes, butter, and like insulin and glucose responses. Mm-hmm. Just for one example, it's like mm-hmm. you take a potato, you leave it plain, you have someone eat it. If you add butter to it, mm-hmm. the amount of insulin needed to process the carbohydrates in that potato goes up and up and up mm-hmm. and up and up. Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. kind of start seeing how, you know, you take away the fat from your diet and you, you reduce, uh, the insulin response. Like, there's mechanisms yes. buried in there. Yes. yes. Um, but just, the paleo. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, oh yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Paleo I'm paleo. so. I'm starting to become so disinterested with that world too. You know. Really? Yeah. Same. I'm in the same. You know, boat as you. It's just like because it's, you know, because now what you're seeing, you're just seeing reiterations of people popping up that are like new. You know, like things like carnivore diet, which I've experimented with ten years ago. People oh, yeah. are People are like getting into it now. You know, and you have oh, all these. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then you have, and then you have like, like you said, you're not going to throw anybody under the bus, but I will. Like, you know, people like Mark Sisson, who was like, you know, the paleo guy, right? Then he became like this, the keto guy. Then he became like kind of a, kind of a carnivore guy. Now he markets this thing called metabolic flexibility, which is this thing, which means you can get energy from fucking whatever's available, like carbohydrates and fat and protein. Oh, like, Shocking. so you're saying like a normal diet, aren't you, buddy? You what know? a novel concept. <laughs> yeah. Yes, oh my I posted God. about yeah. that on my, you know, my Instagram. That's but funny. Anyway, yeah. because you know, because you're just seeing people are kind of scrambling to if, to find the new shtick, you know, and it's like hard. And then like, okay, well, this new thing. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's great to hear that you're in that spot too. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost. I mean, I've I feel like every every place I've gone, like vegan and then paleo, it's like. My my process tends to be I get into the community, I start seeing the faults and the cracks, and then I try to bring like some form of clarity and sanity mm-hmm. to it. And I'd love to do that to the psychedelic movement because again, the amount of therapeutic potential there is incredible. And I I'm even all of the bad experiences I had, like I still stand by that 100. Mm-hmm. percent It's like it can bring you to a level of like understanding that kind of expedites the process, like. They say ayahuasca, one night of ayahuasca is like 10 years of therapy. That's exactly how I felt after the mm-hmm. first, for my first ceremony. I got out of that thinking like, wow, every question I've been grappling with and like slowly chipping away at, boom, answer, boom, answer, boom, answer. Mm-hmm. And that beautiful. was stuff that 
yeah, it was, it was stuff that preserved even after, you know, you're out of the ceremony. Cause yeah, sometimes yeah. you're in it, you're like, Oh man, we can travel time if we just did this. <laughs> and it's like, some of it doesn't stick. Right. But uh-huh. like the stuff that does stick, it's like, you have, you have things that you really can bring with you and that just, that do bring you a level of clarity that if you continue working on that, you can, you can make huge strides in your life. Like I'll tell you right now, I feel better than I've ever felt at any point in my life. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I know who I am. I feel happy, like deeply joyous, happy to be alive. And there was probably a decade and a half of my life where I couldn't say any of that. So Mm -hmm. the amount, and so much of that though, is not just like, you know, you put something in your body and it changes you. It's like you put something in your body, it shines a a flashlight on all these areas that you couldn't see before. And then you have a bigger map to Mm -hmm. work with. And you're like, all right, this is where I can go. And your life feels more expansive and you feel like you actually have, it's like the things that you thought were just part of who you are. They're not actually <laughs> part of who you are. You know, you can, you can be free of them. I love it. And right. So I'm hoping, you know, I think my next like research, like intensive is definitely going to be in like the psychedelic field and in whatever ways I can contribute to that, even if it's just like talking to people who like, instead of doing nutrition consulting, I would love to talk to people who are either preparing for a ceremony or coming out of it or like who want, you know, some, some feedback on how to physically and psychologically prepare for whatever happens Mm -hmm. without expectation, but like building that foundation to carry an experience that might be very difficult potentially, or very good. Mm -hmm. Um, so like that's kind of my focus at this point. And like, yeah, the food thing, (laughs) dude, it's, it's interesting. It's like when you first learn about (laughs) things and you're like, you have this like, Oh yeah, I feel great. Switch my diet. You know, it's, it's easy to get really caught up in that being like the tool, like the entry point, right. For like everything. But then, you know, you go through what you went through. You were carnivore 10 years ago. Now you're watching people like yeah. get all excited about it. And you're like, Oh yeah, yeah I've been, been there. there. Uh-huh. So I'll see you, see you in a few years mm-hmm. <laughs> when, yeah. you're yeah. <laughs> when you're yeah. vegan. Exactly. And then when you're, you know, whatever, paleo or keto or whatever the fuck. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, so where can people follow, you know, follow you, keep up with what you're doing, putting out. I mean, so I have have my like DeniseMinger.com blog that I've just I, I wrote something about the coronavirus, I think was my last post, and maybe China study and I don't even remember. Like I'm I've, I've abandoned that blog for the most part. I go on there, I'm just like, uh, it's all food stuff. Um so I might I might be starting another website that's gonna be more oriented towards like psychedelics and like, you know, a sane approach to everything that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, if I do that, you know, it, I'll post it like on social media, uh mm-hmm. Facebook. You can I have a business page on Facebook, look up Denise Minger, Denise Minger on Twitter. Um, if you go to my Twitter account, there are like some tweets I made like while on ayahuasca, <laughs> like a while back, <laughs> piece it all together. Um, right. Yeah. And, uh, Instagram Denise Minger, like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not very active at the moment on those places, but like, I'm definitely yes. feeling like a, a draw. I didn't even to... know you had an Instagram. Okay. So you do have one somewhere out there. I okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> we'll be looking out for your face tattoo on Instagram when you post it, you know? It'll be a giant uh, ayahuasca symbol. <laughs> hey, <laughs> the chemical like, molecules yeah. of it, right? <laughs> yeah. No well, regrets. Beautiful. No regrets. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Thank you for thank doing you. this. It was awesome. Thank you so much for the for the platform to just be able to talk about this. Anytime, anytime. Really appreciate yeah. your time. End up owning you.